welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm back, and I'm Hai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I am Ani Crittenden, a writer and editor in Los Angeles. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So we're so glad that HT could come back to to the podcast, to America. Back. Uh you you were in in Vietnam for like three weeks. Yeah, like on vacation. Well, yeah, I was in Vietnam for two weeks specifically, but um, yeah, I was I was gone for quite a while, and yeah, I was visiting there with my uh, grandma. I was kind of like her chaperone in a in a sense, and we were visiting my aunt who is now living in Hanoi. She moved there last year with her family because um, her husband works for the State Department, and you know they got stationed there, yada yada. Um, and uh, so I I was there for two weeks, and I just kind of uh, explored around Hanoi, did some touristy things around there. And I did a couple day trips outside of Hanoi to places like Bachang, which is the ceramic village. Um, they uh, specialize in making ceramics, as you can tell, uh, as well as places like Duong Lam, an ancient village, uh, and Halong Bay, which is this beautiful, beautiful uh, scenic bay that is honestly one of the most beautiful places on earth, I have to say. And um, Sapa, which is this sort of mountainside town surrounded by villages and rice terry rice terraces. So it was a great trip, and I'm excited. I'm just so happy to see Vietnam for the first time in 15 years. I was there for the first time, you know, back in like 2004 or something, and um, it's been a long time, and it has it's changed quite a bit since I was there last time. But also, it's still very much the chaotic. Uh, beautiful chaotic uh country and really well beautifully preserved uh place um with such such good food amazing food um that i remembered so i was happy to see it and um see it again and i'll probably be seeing it uh soon next year because my whole family is going to be doing another trip next year so uh i anticipate another gap for me in a year's time um but yeah i'm back now and i'm happy to be back in the states where i am very cold it was nice balmy 70 degrees over in vietnam and um now i'm i'm freezing again it's not snowing anymore in new york though i miss the snow so uh i'm sad about that i'm sure well we're both we're glad you're back we had some fun times without you um and then we were, we took a week off for Thanksgiving because it was Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're back. We're back. And our knives and be- are out. Our knives are out because we, are out. we took a week off, which would have been our mo- our usual movie review like slot, which is usually like the last pod, the last Sunday in whatever month. So uh, it is, yeah, it's the beginning of December. And we're going to talk about one of the, uh, movies of the year. One of the, one of the best movies of the year. Let's out, come out and say it. We're God, just gonna say that. Let's do it. It's, it's um, true. Expect uh, this movie to get a high rating from us. Yeah. Um. We are Ryan Johnson Shills. Uh. He pays us to write reviews, which also come from Disney. Uh. Because we're all we're all we're all in this together. Um. Yeah. So Knives Out, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. It is a Ryan Johnson whodunit. Um. It's about. It's basically like it's a whodunit. Yeah, it's a it's a murder mystery. Uh, it's whoever uh someone died, 
and they have to figure out who, who, who how they, how they died. Who done it? Um, who, who done it? Who did it? Uh, the, uh, it's, it's about a, a wealthy family in Massachusetts. Um, their, uh, like celebrity writer dad, uh, presumably kills himself. Um, but the authorities and Daniel Craig's character believe that it is more than that. I don't want to say, I mean, that's pretty much a plot description, right? Like, yeah, that's it's pretty good. It's one. like, yeah, it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, Lakeith Stanfield, Daniel Craig, Anna de Armas, um, Chris a large Evans, cast. Uh, Chris uh, Evans, Christopher Plummer, Tony Collette Noah in a scene stealing role. So, yes. Honestly. Um, I love her. Any, any, I mean, it's a stacked cast. Uh, I, think, I think that's like the Don major Johnson? players here. Yeah, I said Don Johnson. Oh, you did. I um, he's having a he's having a he's having an autumn. Yeah, he's in Watchmen and he's in Knives Out. Good for him. Um, did he okay, show up so in Once Time in Hollywood? I, his his men are watched. His knives are out. Um, I don't know. Is he in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I I don't know. I can't remember. I, I like, like I. That's so funny that I like keep reading that movie came out this year because I'm like, oh yeah, that we saw that. I, I that's the thing I watched and I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't really remember. It now. I remember his name being like bounced, like bounced around for that. Maybe he wasn't. He was not. Oh okay. Yeah. I was um. Either way, yeah. Either way, he's having a good. He's he's on Watchmen, which has been critically um raved about, and so is Knives Out. And what we're gonna do is our regular movie review of some like spoiler free thoughts um overall thoughts on what we what we liked and didn't like about the movie and then we'll go into characters and plot and theme this movie has some really uh topical themes i should say very um and then we'll do our really likes at the very end of the episode as always um okay hc because you are the you have you haven't been on the podcast in a while. We're gonna put you in the hot seat. We're gonna put you in the chair in front of all the knives. Uh, what did you think of Knives Out? I love Knives Out. It's such a sharp, funny, really smart, really awry whodunit in the style of Agatha Christie mysteries. And uh, I gotta say that my the scene dealer for me. The this MVP was a uh, Daniel Craig who had the deepest of deep fried Southern accents, but uh, as um Anya was saying, everyone here is just having a blast, and I just love to see these really stacked ensemble cast having the time of their lives while Ryan Johnson directs the hell out of this. It's so stylish and fun, and um, despite having you know somewhat of a like, incredibly stylish film it still manages to squeeze in a very topical uh, message that I will say it did hammer in a little bit on uh, a little at times like sometimes on the nose but it was a minor sort of um, issue that I had with the film because which I thought was phenomenal and absolutely loved every minute of watching so Knives Out a good movie Anya are your knives out for knives out? Oh, oh, they are way out. They are as far out as they can be. Um, I agree with everything HT said. Um, I went into this movie knowing kind of very little, which I was really excited about. So I didn't realize how topical 
the movie was going to be, like how much social commentary there would be. And I was very pleasantly surprised. And I thought that it was done very well, but yes, very on the nose. Um, I felt like the introduction of the social commentary was like better than when it kept like coming up. Um, it kind of was like, okay, you can mention it a few times and then like we get the point. Um, but I'm, I prefer it being there and being on the nose than not being there at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy it was there. Um, I thought it was just compelling from start to end. I thought the pacing was fantastic. Um, I loved the unraveling of the plot and the reveal of the plot because I love that it was sort of a little like less traditional yeah. than a normal whodunit. Like Ryan Johnson definitely, you know, took some liberties and like exactly like what the aspect of the whodunit was, which he, I really loved. He plays with the form a little bit in a way that I was like, I was taken aback and I was like, oh, it this was is interesting. So but then he still manages to pull it back around and have like a nice reveal at the end, which was so great. So fun to watch. Yes, I completely agreed. I, I agree that Daniel Craig was definitely like kind of like the standout just because he had that character that was, you know, created to be a standout. Um, I also really loved Chris Evans and Tony Collette. Um, but Anna de Armas was, is the one I keep going back to. I thought her performance was just fantastic. It was, it was emotional. It was angry. It was raw. It was, you know, complex. And it's just like seeing her, it's like, it's like when you see a performance by, uh, an actor that you don't know very well and you go, oh man, like that is talent right there. And she is going to skyrocket to fame. And I'm so excited. You know, she's going to be in the next James Bond film. And I really love her. And I felt she had the most compelling performance in the film. Um, If not quite as as funny as Daniel Craig's Southern accent always was. Um, But Anna Armas was my favorite part. And I cannot wait to see what she continues to do in her career. Because she's... She's a special one for sure. I have to say, she was also great in a movie that you disliked a lot, Blade Runner 2049. Yep. But... Oh God, I don't even remember that she was in that movie. She was the she hologram. Was Ryan Gosling. She was Ryan Gosling's AI girlfriend. She was jo- Joy? What yeah, Joy. Mm-hmm. Joy? Oh my God, I had no idea. I mean, I remember I fell asleep in that movie, so. <laughs> That's oh, true. God. That's not, um, I fell asleep at that big moment at the end and Willoughby was like, you missed that part? That was the most, it's fine, whatever. We're not talking about Blade Runner from 2049, we're talking about Knives Out, which is a movie we're all much more, in much more agreement about. Yes, yes, but she is perfect and I'm sure if I ever saw Blade Runner 2049 again for whatever reason, I would love her performance as Joy, because she is great. Um, but yeah, I found her definitely to be like the, the, I thought she was a very good moral center of the film and she really really held that center down very well. Willoughby, what about you? I give Knives Out two knives up. <laughs> How long were you thinking that, about that? Oh, I, 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 it's been in my head since I saw the movie. Um, this movie was really good. I love the way that Ryan Johnson subverts expectations in his films. He did that with uh, Brick, by doing a noir set in high school. So he like flipped the script on on all that. Brothers Bloom was a con artist game movie that was like, that subverted like who was what. I don't know. I haven't really seen that movie in a long time, but I remember it being different and like, ex, you know, ex, you know, like subverted expectations. I of, recommend like, how revisiting gonna... it. It's, 
it's so good. I love that movie. It's so I funny. was confused. I I was definitely like confused as to like what was happening throughout the movies, so I definitely have to revisit it. But I just remember I, re- I do remember being like taken for a ride on it, which I enjoyed. Um, Looper definitely like subverted expectations. It was about hope. It was about like an act of love that could save humanity. Um, the Last Jedi subverted expectations. No, oh, big time. <laughs> Uh, in a in what we can all agree on the podcast, a good way. Um, and then uh, again, again with uh, his his latest picture, a Who Done It. Um, it definitely felt like the the mystery had been solved at like minute thirty, and then it uh, kept moving, and I was like, "What was is going to happen now?" And then he played with expectations, and he. You know, the, the cable knit sweater of the script started to unravel and unspool and you could see what was happening with the film and the and the inner machinations of of the mystery. Um, I, yeah, Anna de Armas was perfect. I think she was the best part of the movie. Daniel Craig obviously is like, you know, secondary. He's supposed to be the Poirot, the Poirot of the of the film. Um, but he was Benoit Blanc from uh, New Orleans. Uh, you can. I'll. T- I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, that mystery. Uh, sunny side up. Oh. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Whatever you're uh, doing, it's working for me. So. <laughs> um, I love that he was singing Sondheim at one point. Uh, the the whole uh movie was very well executed. It was tightly writ- written. Um. Incredible, like the acting was just incredible. I think that they were he was able to do like a nice homage to Clue in a way of having all these like very eccentric characters coming together, um, to uh be harassed by the law enforcement about who may have killed their dad, but also in the costume design. Who, um, I don't know off the top of my hand the costume, the costumer for the film, but I hope they get nominated for an Oscar because the way that they were able to take the personalities of these characters and put them onto their clothes was really magical. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of color too in those costumes. So like you could differentiate like Jamie Lee Curtis was wearing like this, like, like bright magenta pantsuit, which was very uh, unique. Um, and I, I just think that everyone w- did it was like in top form. I think that the, like from like all around the, the block, it was really fun to see Chris, Chris Evans play an asshole again. Um, it's been about a decade since that. Um, yeah, it's like, like the yeah. last time was like not another teen movie or something. It was um, definitely Scott Pilgrim, I believe, was the last thing I saw him in that was an oh, asshole. Yeah, but like yeah. he was in the fair, like his Johnny Storm performances were like he was he was assholes in that. He was yeah, uh, true. Um, yeah, not another teen movie. Like he was very much like when because I remember when he was cast as Captain America. And I was like, this guy? You you want, you know, stars and garters to be played by this guy? And then and then he uh, exceeded expectations, one could say. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really fun to just see him, like, play a dick. Uh, I thought Christopher Plummer was a really good... Uh, gave a really good performance. It was... It was I, I didn't know how much of him would actually be in the film. So I was glad to see, like no spoilers there was a, a hearty chunk of the film is with him and it was like oh yeah he's still he's still exuberant and like great 
Um, yeah, Christopher Plummer. Seeing Christopher Plummer again here reminded me of how good he is. Like, do you, do you guys remember All the Money in the World, the movie where um, I never saw it. Yeah, Ridley Scott replaced uh, Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer the last minute after the whole Kevin Spacey allegations came out. The movie itself was like not great it was fine but then christopher Plummer was so good in that movie and he was a last minute addition too like he was the best part i was like wow he's a reminder that he's a legend for a reason and this is a great reminder as well yeah um but i think i mean lives forever i just want to say like i don't care how much he hates that movie now does he yeah oh bummer okay it's like sad Um, but captain von thirst trap Wow, I've never heard that term before, but it's also perfect because yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christopher Plummer. Anyway, the movie is good. The movie's called Knives Out and it's very good. <laughs> um I think do we wanna start talking spoilers? Because I think there's only so much we can say without spoiling the who done it. Let's do it. All From right. Now on is a spoiler wanna... territory. Yeah. If you don't want to know what happened in the movie Knives Out pause the podcast go watch the movie knives out and and then come back and hit play all right okay okay ready so chris evans is a huge dick in this movie he is and i love that whole um reversal of our expectations even more so because at the beginning you know you know he's an asshole but you're like oh maybe he's an asshole who is kind of cool because it's like the one uh like the one exception uh, I, I guess like in sort of um that we have with privileged people with like privileged characters you're like maybe this person is like the one exception and um right. because or like he's the one that gets it yeah because he's, he's out like, he's still like an outsider in his own family and everything because of how he flouts their their conventions and like their expectations and it's actually interesting because each one of those characters you could argue feels like they could be an exception in some way like um with an Catherine Langford's character she's smart and she is really progressive and you're like maybe she could be an exception because she also has like a friendship with um Anna Armas's character too and you see it with her you see it with um who else uh Michael Shannon Michael Shannon yeah Hi. and and like everyone you're like there's a little bit of like good in them that you want to see the good in them but ultimately they end up you know falling back into the status quo into that comfort of their privilege and i think that's what the movie does so well at like teasing you with the idea it was like that the idea that that is really common in movies and stories that there is this per- that that little bit of goodness in a in like a person of privilege will come through but it does not um because that privilege is too strong and that's so interesting to me yeah, because like you get up, you, you see you see them the throughout the beginning of the film where all the characters are like, oh, she's like family to us, mm-hmm. and you could tell that they're putting on putting it on a little thick because it, the camera cuts to them like not remembering like where her family is, are, is originally from, like, and they don't really know too actually like that much about her. Like they're definitely like, you know, saying that she's part of the family even though she's clearly not, and like even when but but then like when. Frank Oz reads the will and it all goes to shit for the family and they just they turn on her on a dime like like it like the any any uh shade of any nuance of they they like her they just don't like her 
because like like she's the exception or you know like it's one of those like, like no they're just straight up like persons of they're just wealthy white people who hate uh everyone that isn't them like mm-hmm. right except and then you think Chris Evans is the exception like once the will is read because he's the one who like rescues her and like takes her away and you think like oh my god maybe he's like and like the asshole with the heart of gold Mm -hmm. and he's gonna help her and I think that's what it is right is that like Chris Ryan Johnson throughout this whole movie is always like like giving you a little piece of the story and then you're like okay well then what else is there there's like an hour and a half left of this movie mm-hmm. um like when you find out at the very beginning like how Christopher Plummer died you find that out in the first like half hour and yeah so the whodunit is solved except there is more to the whodunit than just a murder and then you are left you know guessing and I think you know that is the very effective part of the plot is that you know, it, there's so many twists and they feel very genuine and very well thought out. And to your guys' comments about, like, them all being like, she's part of the family. The I did not expect this movie to be as sad as it was because the only person who actually considered her family was Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. I thought their scenes were so touching and lovely. Yeah. And I really loved their relationship. And at the end, when you realize and Martha realizes that he wouldn't have died because she didn't, the medicines weren't actually switched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it's like, heartbreaking. It's, it's so devastating. I did not expect that. Um, and I, I just thought it was like it, the, the punch of that, like the gravity of that uh, was very felt. And I was like, damn Ryan Johnson like you kept me on my toes you made me think about immigration and then you went and broke my heart mm-hmm. I was like this, I was like this is a roller coaster this is too much for me this is really an emotional whodunit because the it actual really mystery is. itself isn't that much of a mystery it's the unraveling of the characters personalities and their inner sort of motivations as well as like their inner agendas that becomes the real um, twists of this film uh, as well as the idea that this is a um, a moral mystery it's about yeah. a, uh, a character who acts by her morals and is just essentially so good that like she uh, sabotages whatever sabotages go her way uh, which I think was really interesting. I think it was a really optimistic way of um, of approaching this genre. And it's not just that she's good because, she, like, morally, she's good at her job. Mm-hmm. She like that's the key, that's the key that like Daniel Craig realizes is that Marta is so good at being a nurse that she, of course she wouldn't forget which pill which bottle the morphine is in. You know, like she would. She like even though they're almost identical pill like uh, bottles, she understands the the nuance of the actual like which one is heavier, which one is the right one. That's why she was so, you know, concerned when she thought that she had flipped them because she's always she's such a good nurse, mm-hmm. and and so I and I think that that um you know it highlights her character in such a way that I that you know just kind of uh overall like is a button on the performance of like so of her like at the beginning of the film when she like freaks out that she that she thinks that she's accidentally poisoned Christopher Plummer is that she's so good at doing what she does that 
she's like trying to wrap her head around what, how could she have done it? And of course she d- technically didn't do it mm-hmm. uh, because Chris Evans was like, Oh, let me just uh, switch the, the, the things and we'll be good and he'll be dead um, and blame it on Marta. And I just think that the whole thing, I just love the way that it, it becomes the whodunit like ends at one point. And then you're just like with her for survival because she's trying to outsmart quote unquote, the greatest like detective in the country with who is Daniel Craig. And, and so like, you get like little bits of like the dog coming in with like the piece of wood that fell off the, the house that like she broke off when she snuck back into the house. Like, and I the think great the, grandmother, know, the great grandmother uh, is so good. Like there's just so many like solid moments that come together at the end to, to paint a complete picture of the movie in such a strong, tight-knit way that I that I'm so happy that Ryan Johnson is still doing movies that are hit for him as well as movies that are for the studio. Like I think that you know he he definitely took that blank check that he got from Last Jedi and did something amazing with it. Um, do we want to st- do we want to talk about characters or let's do we want to talk about, about plot or do we want to talk about characters? Yeah, let's talk cool. about Marta so, first. Yeah, Marta. I think she's what an angel. She, um, I didn't expect her to be the protagonist of this movie, but I was pleasantly surprised to find her. So happy, yeah. And I really, I love her as protagonist. I think she, like you were saying, Anya, she is really complex and interesting, and um, morally good. She's so pure that to the point, to the point that she can't physically lie, which I thought yep. was a fun quirk, and um, I. I enjoyed having such a moral character at the center of uh, a story, which usually deals with very immoral characters, very, um, you know, uh, characters that are defined by one flaw, essentially. Like you think of Clue and it's like one, every character isn't really a good person. They're all suspects in murder. Um, but I actually wanted to ask you guys something that was brought up in discussions about Knives Out. And um, it's the idea of the the good immigrant. Um, and I wonder, I, I this wasn't something that I came away with from the movie because I found Marta to be a really interesting, complex character. But do you think that she perpetuates that idea of the good immigrant? Like, what I mean is the um, the immigrant who is deserving of being in this country because they are a good person who abide by the rules and by the law and everything like that. Uh, what do you think about that? Anya. I think as someone who is white and not an immigrant, um, I would never say that it doesn't. Uh, to people who did get that impression, mm. I can absolutely see it just because, you know, she speaks such good English and she has like a really respectable job and she's very good at it and she's very caring, um, you know, in service to a white family. So like, I definitely see why people would get that impression. Um, and I think it's a completely valid point and a point that we should discuss. Um, and, so, yes, I think that there is an element of that. I don't think that was Ryan Johnson's intention, but I also don't think that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there is the element of that her mom is an illegal immigrant. And so, like, her mom didn't do it correctly. And so, like, she is, you know, the unworthy immigrant or whatever. And, you know, Christopher Plummer's character considered not only Marta, but her family um, at large, which I think is important. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I can absolutely see that. I think that is a worthy point to point out. Mm -hmm. Willoughby, what do you think? Pretty much the same thing that Anya does. I haven't thought too hard or much about the... Because I also haven't read enough about the criticism of that um, to have a well-informed opinion, uh, unfortunately. I will say that, like, yeah, I can see where people would would be put off by that. Um, But I also think that a character like Marta if she had been not a, a child of immigrants, but still had like the same pure of heart sort of character, I think still like, I, I think her character would have still worked if like, if she hadn't been so, but I, but I also think that like what Brian Johnson was trying to go for is like, like this family will do whatever it takes to keep their money. And that includes throwing her, her family under the bus. Mm-hmm. So and like I think I th- also the idea like to that Willoughby, but also on Marta's side, like the survival tactics that immigrants have to consider that like white people don't have to consider that right. you know the the choices they have to make are much more difficult and much more limited, mm-hmm. and they have to you know consider so many other factors that, you know, white people do not have to consider. Mm-hmm. I also think that um, this criticism, while valid, doesn't completely apply to this film because it is it, it exists in such a heightened reality. I would see this more as almost like a fable in a way or uh, an allegory type of film because it's something that deals in stereotypes but acts to uh upend our ideas of those stereotypes both of immigrants and of people white people who wouldn't traditionally be the heroes in this kind of story so i do think that like the idea of the of the good immigrant can be poisonous in some ways but i don't think that that particularly applies completely to this film but i do think that like there are are discussions to be had about it. So I just wanted to bring that up in um, our review. I know it's kind of like an awkward point, but I think that is important to to talk about a little bit. Um, But I wanted, now that we're done with that, uh, what else did you guys think about Marta? I want to ask about your guys' thoughts about her aside from all of the the social issues of, of dealing with that. I loved how fast she turned on the family. Like, they turned on her, and then she was like, oh, this is how it is? Like, all right, I'm going to turn on you. And, like, that scene, oh, my God, so good. When Michael Shannon comes to her apartment, and he's, like, trying to, like, convince her to, like, give the money back. And, like, how, like, you know, with that money, like, the family has resources to help her. And then she's like, oh, well, you have the resources? Well, great. Then I have them now because the money's mine. Yeah, and it's yeah. so good. I love how fast she turns on them, and I'm like, yes, like these people, like 
oh, like you owe these people nothing. I particularly love that scene because I feel like it's almost the thesis of this movie in a way where it's the white, the white privileged family think like to have that, that power, that money, and then they can dole out the resources and be, and be charitable to people who they believe underneath them. And when you flip that script and it's the, the minorities and the ref, the immigrants who have that power, then they don't know what to do. And I, I think I, that, I love that scene particularly, particularly because it's just like, it makes it textual, that whole idea of like that money is such a placeholder for class. Yeah, it's something interesting too because I know in like a lot of like, like America is definitely America definitely has an issue with class. It's been a problem, but I think that in modern movies we haven't seen something like this in a while, mm. of like a classic like family, uh, like like very like rich family having to deal with like, I guess ready or not would be like the next. Yeah, thing. the Eat the like Rich trilogy. Like, ready or not, not, ready or not, not out. Parasite. Parasite. Yep, it's yeah. the best trilogy of this year by far. It, it's, you know, I think now now we're starting to, there the, the, the art that that's coming out is really starting to push back against the idea of capitalism as a means to an end. Um, and I think that it's, you know, it's definitely a reaction to the 2016 election and it's a reaction to, how this country is behaving towards non-white citizens and and f- people who, who don't look like the MAGA heads, uh, and I think that this is a, a well-executed version of that reaction to something that, that I think that sort of like, but also being like a really fun, entertaining murder mystery. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it's like twofold. I think it's everything you just said, Willoughby, and that it is like it is America is starting to think about class in more ways and in different ways than we ever have before because of our changing political landscape. I also think there's something interesting to be said about the fact that Ryan Johnson is a British director doing a movie about class in America just because mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson British. Hold on. Isn't he American? Ryan Johnson's very American. Is he? Yes. Have you seen interviews with him? Why did, did I think he was British? Didn't he grow up in? Didn't he go to high school in the? He spells his name with an I instead of a Y. Yeah, he's American. I think he grew. Oh, he went really to high school American. in the school where Brick was filmed. Like that's why they yeah, filmed Brick it there. Out his high school. His <laughs> Brick, is, Brick is the only Ryan Johnson movie I don't like. So like this makes sense that I wouldn't know that fact, but. I've been thinking he was British his whole time. Have Anya, you never watched an uh, interview with him, Anya? I'm sure I have. <laughs> we went through a whole Star Wars media cycle. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make this whole point about like classism and throughout British history and how it's very different there than here. and. <laughs> He's married okay. to Karina Longworth. Hosts, you must remember he's this. He's married to Karina Longworth. Is he really? That's hilarious. I did not yeah. know that. He's been on that podcast. He does okay. the vo- he did the voice of like Louis B. Mayer. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on. Back up. First off, <laughs> what? Also, hold on. I'm still gonna make my point. <clears throat> Daniel Craig, leading star of Knives Out, is English, and I'm sure his 
presence on the set discussing the very different idea of classism in Great Britain versus the United States of America also had an effect in that it is very different in the history of these two uh, countries and, and, and great lands. And so Daniel Craig also brought that element of the idea of classism and, and what that means to society and this movie. Thank you, Daniel Craig, for your uh, English service to this movie and to uh, the idea of, of exploring classism in an American film. Thank you. I, I, uh, Ryan Johnson did nothing. <laughs> All right. I feel like I can't say anything else in this. Like, I feel like everything of mine is now. Like, I didn't know he was that. married to Karina Longworth like, either. They got married like, in 2018. Yeah. That's really recent. Oh. Yeah, I knew they were. I knew they were like boyfriend and girlfriend for a long time because she she mentioned him on the podcast on her podcast and i think just sort of like through like a wikipedia search they're like longtime partners or whatever but now they're finally married so that's very cool um but yeah ryan johnson true-blooded american <laughs> but daniel craig isn't and daniel craig is who i was making that point about all along okay so. sure i'll i'll edit i'll edit this all out so it all makes sense just kidding i won't Speaking of Daniel Craig, let's talk about Benoit Blanc. I love Benoit him. Benoit Blanc. Who, okay. Assez, assez, assez. I hope you do this entire little segment in this very New Orleans accent, Willoughby. I do, I do declare you do that declare. Daniel Craig as Benoit, as Benoit Blanc is a great performance and I want to see more Benoit Blanc motion pictures in the future, at Ryan Johnson, if you're listening, Benoit Blanc and the murder mystery on the Nile. <laughs> Benoit Blanc and the Who Done It in Indiana. Okay. Benoit Blanc. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I think he's great. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, I want to say I love that he is very much a satire of Her- Hercule Poirot. From Agatha Christie's novels, Poirot. Um, but yes, uh, I love that he's very much a satire of Poirot. Um, and at some point, I kind of had the feeling that he was going to be a sort of like the the goof of this movie. Like he mm-hmm. he was very long winded. He found he thought himself to be much more like important than he was. Like he would go on these long rambles about his his uh mystery solving process and then quote random uh movies or uh poems and stuff and uh then be, it, he was very taken with his own genius in a way that I felt like was almost uh, Pink Panther-esque. It was really funny. But then he turns out to be a very competent detective, and I love that. There's a lot of layers to Benoit Blanc that I, I really enjoyed. He wasn't completely a satire, and yet he also was poking fun at the that um, sort of highfalutin genius detective at the same time. Well, I think what they do a really good job of is uh, creating a backstory for him, or at least, like, having, like, the Noah Segan character talk about how, like, exciting it is that Benoit Blanc is on the case because of, like, such and such, you know, like, the like other murder mysteries that he solved. Like, he is, like, a famous person in this world. Um, and so, like, he's come in to, to, like, 
under very auspicious terms of like, here is, you know, like some money to come in and solve this mystery of, of a possible murder. And, you know, that's very like of a, of a whodunit of like, well, I don't know who paid me, but I'm here anyway, because money. Um, so there's like a lot of that. But then also like, like his donut monologue was so good. Like so he's such a, like, yeah, I agree. Like, I think the obvious subversion would be, oh, he's not really a genius. Oh, he's not really a, de- a good detective. His whole like, thing his his whole backstory is either like conjured up by by lies or by by luck or something and he's just like sort of gotten this far based on it like based on like nothing and i think that the ex the expectation is subverted in that he is a relatable character and like is 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 good at his job but also funny and like you know is a person he's not like a he is a caricature his accent sure is but like he himself is like you could see him be you could see him have relationships with other human beings in this world whereas i feel like poirot is very much a singular character like he is a mustache going to have he is a mustache he has he he is a hard-boiled egg or uh in the or he's a soft-boiled egg in the more breakfast and he's also got a mustache and like that's it um but also he's a genius like you know i and he's also uh kenneth Branagh. um whereas benoit blanc is like i don't know he's sort of the american answer to that in like a nice like subversive way yeah i just think that daniel craig should do every every movie in the deepest southern accent because he is having a blast with it and i love uh, I love him to see him have fun and like not look like let he me wants tell to you, kill himself me... in a James Bond movie. The... Okay, so the James Bond trailer came out this this week, and I half expected him to start talking like Benoit Blanc <laughs> in the trailer. And when he was British, I was like, "That's not right. <laughs> That's not right." But yeah, uh, Anya, what do you think of Benoit Blanc? I thought he was hysterical. Um, I I think that he was really funny and great and particular. Um, but I honestly, there are honestly performances that stick with me more than his. Yeah. I, I think he was great. I can't really like fault anything. And I really enjoyed him and he was very entertaining. But when I think of this movie, you know, my actually like my favorite comedic performance is probably Tony Collette. Mm. Um, well, since there are so many uh, characters in this ensemble, why don't we for the and next we don't part, need to talk about all yeah of we don't them. need to talk about all of them let's let's talk about uh, for each of us the standout characters or what our favorite characters of the ensemble. So um, Anya, why don't you go first? Talk about Tony Collette. Yes, Tony Collette. Um, I just thought she was hysterical. I mean, Tony Collette, what an underrated talent we have in this beautiful industry we call the motion pictures she's she can do drama and horror and comedy and whatever this is and she does it all so with so much she's sublime in she's all she's very much she's very much gooping it up she um, is gooping it up much, she's gooping it up and like which is not an insult because, like, I think sometimes people forget Gwyneth Paltrow is a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very talented. Um, and so is Toni Collette. And, you know, seeing her in a movie like Hereditary, which there was buzz for her to get an Oscar nomination. And then this, in which 
she so wholly embodies this character that is not part of the family, is part of the family by marriage, but her husband, who was part of the family, has passed away. So now she is sort of just like the leech. Um, and sort of there because, yes, her daughter is, you know, a blood relative of this family. Um, so they will always have that connection. But, you know, is, you know, has been stealing money and um, she's very much like who you think she is. But she just hams it up in this really fun, campy way. The one of my favorite things with her is that scene where she's arguing with Don Johnson about immigration, because like yeah. they mm-hmm. are so much the tea of like the stereotypes of the two sides of that conversation right now. And it was just done so cleverly. And she, you know, just came off as this like you know social justice warrior, and it was so funny and. I just think Toni Collette is a gem and she really, you know, she really gave this character her all. Yeah. I think she, she's a, like, she's a really good character actress. And I feel like yes, it's something that I feel like the term character actor is really is spoken about for men a lot. I don't really hear the conversation about like female character actors. Like I guess Margot Martindale is like the only, is like a very beloved like, character famous. actress, Margot Martindale. Right. So like you've, but, but, and that's like the, the joke, but also that's what, that's like what she's made her, like her career out of. <laughs> but I think that Tony Collette is similar along those lines where she's, she's very good at playing different types of characters. Um, and like you said, Anya, like she, she could do any genre. And I think that's like, wasn't that also kind of what the United States of Terror was about? Where like oh, yeah. she had like multiple personalities. So she played different parts. Like I think that she's, like a well-round like she's really good um and i think that you know it yeah it's it's fun to see someone of her of like her like stature and status like play like character like that because i feel like that wouldn't be the most obvious choice but i think she really sells it really well yeah that sort of flaky um i don't know health vegan type of character i loved it um i have to say a lot of she's very much an influencer yeah the goop basically goop personified um she probably got tickets to firefest (laughs) her her line uh, um that she said um i read a tweet uh, from the new yorker about you (laughs) was the i I think it was i i think the line is i read a tweet about an article in the new yorker about you yes Oh my god, I love that line. It was something that I felt was accurate, right? Yeah, yeah. If I was like, I felt very seen by that. that yes. and then like fact. immediately juxtaposed by Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Linda, being like, "I love that profile in the New Yorker about you." Yeah, I love that. And like, was so clever. It was so funny. It was very. Um, you could tell that Ryan Johnson is on the internet a lot, which he is. He is a uh, very much denizen of Twitter. So uh, he's very much online. <laughs> yeah, he's very online. But yeah, I love that line. I was the only one who laughed out loud. I'm, I like guffawed in my theater, and no one else laughed at that line. <laughs> That's a joke for the internet. That's for film Twitter right there. Yeah. Um. All right, Willoughby. What about you? What's yeah. um. What is uh, your uh, standout character in this vast ensemble? I think we, I think I gotta go with Chris Evans. Um, like I think that he does a standout performance as playing someone who you don't know if you can trust or not. Because yeah, at first he's like the asshole, but then 
Then he saves Marta from the family. But and then you think he's on your side for a long time. And he's like, you know, a, a good listener. And he's like helping her like survive. And then, yeah, it's revealed that he switched the morphine with to kill his, his grandpa. And I just think he does he does the turn really well. Like like he plays a different type of asshole by the end of the movie. He plays a very like violent psychopathic uh character by the end but even though in the beginning you're just like oh he's like the lovable asshole of the family he's the one that tells everybody to eat shit like oh that's fun he's cool but then like he becomes like a very like just like he like goes after marta like he like takes one of those knives like he was like it like spoiler alert it was a fake knife but like if it wasn't she would have been dead like that's murder like i think it's he's you know I think he does he does that he t- does the performance really well. I think it it's a great type of character to have kind of co- like oscillating back and forth between can you trust him can you not um all wrapped in a very good cable knit sweater. <laughs> um, to hide his muscles because he's got those muscles. Yeah. I don't know if it was to hide his muscles. I honestly think it was to highlight his muscles because of his very tight fitting sweater gotta say well sometimes he wore a coat and that was sort of high it was hiding him mm-hmm. uh i i saw an interesting uh tweet commenting on that sweater like the the white cable knit sweater and how like elaborate the design was uh first it was interesting because it was a, a fisherman's sweater and apparently fishermen would have like these really elaborately darned sweaters so that if their bodies washed up they could identify them um which is really interesting but this is obviously not the case with him yeah this was just like a very nicely designed sweater that uh was very white and i thought there there's an interesting observation that said that only the richest of people could wear such white pristine sweaters because they don't have to worry ever about getting them dirty and um, I thought that was a really interesting design choice that really spoke to his character as well. You're fond of me sweater, aren't you? <laughs> Tie-in to all of our favorite yeah. Oscar movies. Um, yeah, I guess uh, my favorite ensemble character. I have to first give a shout-out to Christopher Plummer, which we talked about, who we talked about earlier, who does so much with... Um, a character who shows up for more than you think, but is very much like a minor character who uh, whose death kicks off this entire uh, series of events. But um, the standout for me would be Jamie Lee Curtis, who is just so fun and so stylish. God, when she walks in with her uh, immaculately coiffed immaculately silver hair, her pantsuits, um, She's so sexy and she's so fierce. Um, and she's really complex too in a way that I found really interesting because we find out later that Don Johnson's character, her husband, is cheating on her. She has um, her son, Chris Evans, is, you know, a psychopath. <laughs> uh, and uh, she has a complicated relationship with all with those two as well as with her father who... Uh, as you can, as we see through the movie, she is incredibly close, but to the point of like idolizing him. And um, I think even at the end, you see that they still have that close relationship, even as Christopher Plummer's character like cuts off everyone in his family. Like they still have somewhat of connection. Like he sees a lot of himself in her because she's quote unquote self-made. She built up a, a company quote unquote from the bottom up. And so um, I wouldn't say she's the the least. 
uh, of the the least worst of this group, but um, I found she's still very bad. She's still very she's bad. Still very bad to Marta. Yeah, but I found that complexity really interesting, and especially at the end when we see her um, take a flame to the letter from her dad and like it reveals a secret message that her husband's cheating on her you see that there's like still that connection there um so there's somewhat of um kind of a happy ending for her um but she's still like a horrible person but yeah jamie lee curtis plays her with such style and such panache and i love watching her i love watching her pantsuits and seeing her be both awful and sort of good in turn um and that was really fun to see and i I really enjoyed watching her performance she had such a history with knives. I, I wonder I wonder how she coped being on this film. I'm sure there were many, many flashbacks. <laughs> to many knives. I thought I really liked the note, like how that was how like at, at the beginning Christopher Plummer is like, Oh, I've written her a note telling her telling telling her that you had an affair and John Johnson was like, Ah, fuck this and then he real and then he reads the note and it's blank. And you're like, Oh, he was just like like bluffing that he was going to tell Jamie Lee Curtis that he was having an affair. And you're like, wow, you know, like that's power. That's a powerful, po- that's a power move. And then, Basic and so then you don't think of it. For plumber. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're like, oh, that's, that's the end of that. That was like tied up in a nice, a, a nice bow. And then Ryan Johnson undoes the bow and wraps it in a different type of knot where Jamie Lee Curtis does. Cause she, she was, she was talking about how, you know, she and her her dad talk, but in different ways. And like, it's like a game. And there's like, like, you know, in you never really like, uh, you know, you just know that they talk in a different means of communication than like normal people. And then and the, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that like through like secret notes, and that that that's how she, that's how they talk, because that's how she, when she like burns the letter, she she knows she sees a blank letter and she's she knows exactly what that means, mm-hmm. um, and so she does she takes a lighter to it and re, and reads the the actually written note that yeah Don Johnson had an affair and like there's like like you like I you could have empathy for a character who can still be that bad towards Marta and re, and see that like she's heartbroken mm-hmm. because she probably had her suspicions but then it was confirmed like. Don Johnson doesn't seem like a very subtle person in this movie. Um, so I just think, you know, I think, yeah, like these, par- these characters are complex. You can still like feel bad for a situation they've, they're put in, but also see that like they have, they're not like, I'm, I'm not, I'm very happy that Marta has the house at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that like the fact that they are all kicked out is a great thing. And, that- but I also am like, some some shit does go down in in this family, and you're sort of like, well, that's a bummer, but mm-hmm. also, you know, it's it's one of those like, well, do the you know, it's the the movie sort of wrestles with like, do these characters deserve their endings um, that they get? But I also think that like, yeah, Martyr definitely deserves that house. Like, that's a baller house. Yeah, and that final, and that final shot, shot. Oh, that final that shot when final she's shot. standing with the blanket on her shoulders on the balcony, looking down at them after so many years of them looking down on her, and with the mug what does the mug say again the mug says my house uh my family my rules yes Drink no it's, that mug. it's my my house my rules my coffee ah yes that's what it says my house my rules my coffee and you and the like and that's like one of the first shots in the film um uh, is is a close-up of that mug oh. um and and so you, you it's sort of character introduction of who 
uh, Christopher Plummer's character was um, as sort of like he's in charge. He's the head honcho. He's the great, the 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 in the, the patriarch. patriarch of the family. Yeah. So you, <laughs> it's the patriarchy. Um, the, it's the death. This movie is about the death of the patriarchy. Um, and because you and then you see her holding the mug at the very end and her fingers sort of cover the other two. So it just says, she's just drinking a mug that says my house. Yeah. And it's so perfect. It is great. And like it, like, and then also there was, uh, after, after the fourth episode of the, of, uh, the baby Yoda show, uh, on Disney plus, there were a lot of, uh, gifts of baby Yoda holding soup and someone Photoshopped the, my house, my, my, my rules, my coffee on the soup mug, and it was like knives out 2019. I was like, that's a very good tweet. I that's can't wait good. to retweet it when, when like, uh, people wouldn't get mad that I did that. <laughs> um, that is a good tweet. Um, so I think we actually covered all of the themes and the plot in this movie as we discussed the characters. So, um, do you guys have anything? Very else? tightly woven movie. Yeah, very tightly woven movie, perfectly executed. Um, do you guys have anything else that you want to add about Knives Out? I just want to say I'm glad that Michael Shannon's uh, chaotic neutral energy exists in the world. I'm just, I'm glad we have him. I'm glad he exists and we get to share in his bananas life and personality. He is a delight. He truly That's is. That's all. That's all. Another MVP of the movie. Uh, all right, so that leaves us Wait, only. I, I, oh, continue. I have. I would. I would just like to say that I hope this movie gets some Oscar nominations. Yeah, that would be great. That would be awesome. All right, uh, that leaves us only with our rating. Anya, how many stars out of five stars would you give Knives Out? I'm gonna have to go with a 4.5 okay I have to say it like it has some flaws with like the on the nose commentary also I wanted more Lakeith Stanfield that's also I, I, I wanted I wanted more of him so I was a little disappointed he was not in as much of it as I wanted him to be you could always use a little more Lakeith Stanfield all okay. right Willoughby what about you well, I'm going to have to go with a five out of five because I thought the on-the-nose commentary was perfectly executed. All right. Um, I, I think it was r right on the nose because we need that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with Anya and also give this a 4.5 out of five uh, because I do think that, yeah, it, it was a little on the nose. Um, it was minor, but it did sort of take down the point the movie by half a point so that being said the millennial falcon gives knives out a 4.7 out of 5 it's pretty good pretty good pretty good all right let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but I need to tell you something. Willby, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? I played Pokemon Sword, and I beat it, and I and I love it. It's a very good game. Uh, it's the latest Pokemon generation game. Like, 
but instead of being on a handheld device like the Game Boy, it's on a handheld console device of the Nintendo Switch. And they do a really good job of transferring the game of Pokemon that we all know and love from like a handheld, like 2D side scroll and adventure um, to a 3D Wonder World of Pokemon and lovely, um, fun, uh, like playing, like like playing a Pokemon game, but with like the like the graphics of a modern video game is like the ideal thing that I think a lot of people have, especially myself, have been wanting for like a long time of like. I would like a console Pokemon game, um, and it's so good. And what console is it on again, uh, Willoughby? Nintendo Switch. It's a Nintendo. Um, the the new Pokemon in this game are very like based on like medieval British knights and stuff. So you've got like Farfetch that evolves into like a a, char- oh. uh, a Pokemon called Surfetch. Is that where we see like, like the sword. Farfetch with the sword image that I keep seeing yeah. around? Oh, yeah, he looks like a samurai. His name is Surfetched. Um, and yeah, he, and then you he's got like a leak sword and a leak shield. Um, and you've got like a a, a bird that's named Corviknight. He's like this big metal knight bird. He looks like a suit of armor, but it's a bird. It's very cool. Um, and then there's like Pokemon that we're like familiar with, but have like a like a, a a Galarian twist because the 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 region in this game is called Galar, and it's based on like Britain and like medieval Britain and modern Britain. So like there's even like a London, but it, the the London is called Winden because um, it's like you know, wind Pokemon. Um, and but it, like if you look at it, there's like a Piccadilly Square. It's very fun. Uh, there's and there's like a there's like the character of Meowth. But he looks different because he's like from this particular region, or like wheezing, looks like an old timey like, like British uh, aristocrat who's got like a top hat and like his beard is toxic gas, and it's like a very meta commentary on capitalism and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, no, like the the whole like uh, aesthetic of this this version of Pokemon is very good, very British. Um, the the upgrades to the quality of life in this game from the older games have really improved like you can like your your all your pokemon like get a uh ex, like experience even if they weren't in the battle so that way you'll have you have like a level team instead of having like a level 60 pikachu and a level 60 charmand uh charizard and then like you have like uh, like a like a radada that's like level 12 because you don't really like radada like that like all, all your character all your pokemon level out to and and all that. And there's like this really fun thing called the wild area where it's just like a big area where you can just catch Pokemon and battle and train. Um, and like, and like different parts of the wild area have different weather formations and different like, uh, like regions. So like, it'll be like, you can find like ghost Pokemon and near the, this like tower, you find grass Pokemon near the grass and like water Pokemon in the, in the water. It's like all the, all like the, all the nature and everything, but it's like in one big area. And like, obviously as you go throughout the region, you pick up Pokemon, but like, this is like a concentrated area. Um, and there's like a fun thing called poke, like uh, where you like set up a camp and you can like play with your Pokemon. You like, you like, you, you, you pull out like a toy and you like shake it at them and they like, like swat at them like a cat. It's really cute. And like, you can like, you can like cook curry and food and like eat it with your pokemon and if the if the recipe turns out good your pokemon get experience points like the the game like fulfills like all the cuteness of a pokemon game with the graphics of a modern 
video game, which Pokemon has like sort of historically not been because it's always been on like a the DS or the Game Boy. It's never had the fully realized version of of like console game like I don't know fucking Call of Duty. Why does Call of Duty get a game like that and Pokemon doesn't? Um, so I think yeah, it's it's a lovely game. It's really fun to play, and I'm the Pokemon champion of Galar. And I caught the legendary. His name is Zacian, but I've named him Knife Dog because he's the knife dog. He's got the sword in his in his in his mouth, and it's very cute. And I love him. Um, and Sir Fetched is great. And yeah, no, I think it's a great game. I've been I've been I've been going long, but that's it's Pokemon. Pokemon is very good. I'm glad you love it so much, Willoughby. Um, so Anya, what's your really like this week? I really want my really like to be something I'm doing tonight, but I can't because I haven't experienced yet. Um, but I just got to say, I'm seeing the Good Place cast and doing an improv show. <gasps> oh my God. That's it's, the most... called, it's called the Total Forking Shirt Show. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. I'm very excited. So like, I anticipate that will be my like big really like, but remains to be seen. Although I'm sure it'll be perfect. So I have to say that I really like this week's, this past week's episode of His Dark Materials. It was the biggest episode of the season so far. They introduced a very major character who does not get introduced until the second book in the trilogy. And a lot of stuff happened in this episode. It did not feel like an hour, but it was. And I am just so impressed with the writing of this show because they are all at once telling this the plot of the first book while also setting up the larger plot of the trilogy because they understand like I'm so impressed because this series really understand how storytelling works and how storytelling works across different mediums and how the story that Philip Pullman told over three books cannot be told the exact same way in a TV series and that they have to open up the world sooner than Philip Pullman did and so I'm just so impressed with Jack Thorne's script uh, for this show and I cried a lot in this week's episode um, like multiple times like I like screamed brief spoilers so you can skip like the next like 30 seconds if you want to but like I screamed when I saw Will I cried at Serafina and Farter Coram I cried at Billy like just so much happened and I'm so glad this show exists and that it's as good as it is and I'm just very very impressed with the storytelling it, it it's so good i have to say i have seen uh this coming episode this monday's coming episode and it's really good and um i think you'll enjoy so it even more it's very it's the most action-packed of it all does the yeah because the... now it's the bullbanger yeah, like, the bullbanger the... arc and uh yeah. i just have to say lin-manuel miranda is like living his best indiana jones life in this episode at, at one point he's like I'm, this is no spoilers, but this is just a funny thing that I, I remember. Uh, he's fighting, and he says, is that all you got? And I can just hear him just delighting at the fact that he's playing an action hero. And so I'm look so forward excited. to that. Okay, I will. I will. <laughs> but yeah, this show. Oh, so good. I'm so grateful that it's as good as it is. Well, speaking of his dark materials. Oh, hold on. I need it. It's really like as a process, you guys. Speaking of his dark materials. Uh, (laughs) In that vein, my really like this week is the Secret Commonwealth. 
It's The Book Ooh. of Dust, Volume 2, that third with La Belle Sauvage, released la- which was published last year, two years ago. This, The Secret Commonwealth is the sequel published this year. It picks up in the world of his dark materials with Lyra Balacqua, uh, now Lyra Silver- Silvertongue, um, at the age of 20. And uh, something is unfolding in the Oxford of her world that has to do with roses, demons, separation i have Wait. no idea that the secret commonwealth took place because like la belle sauvage takes place when lyra is an infant mm-hmm. and we follow malcolm right yep malcolm polstead um and i thought the secret commonwealth was going to be an immediate sequel to that and we'd follow malcolm more nope so i did not know that we were going to get like we're adult getting lyra, lyra I'm so again excited. and uh, i'm <gasps> only i'm only 100 so- pages in but it's just so oh, fun to see her and pan again and she has she's changed quite a bit but it's still like her voice and it's really exciting to see her and just like reunite with lyra after all these years and um i i'm so excited this is a copy that i got uh for free for review uh i will let you guys know what what happens but well not what happens but what i think of it but so far it's just captured that world again and i'm so excited to be back in it is it is it out yet or or did you get an advanced copy it's out in uh books stores now so i it was supposed to be an advanced copy but i got it really late because i was in vietnam <laughs> so it's now out in stores I, I, like i didn't i wasn't sure yeah it is now out um, in stores all right i didn't realize that, Good I didn't realize that the trilogy was not all no there's more willoughby there's yeah. so much more I mean, I knew about the Belle Sauvage, but I thought it was all, like you said, I thought it was all, like, at least the first two, like, I thought it was going to take place before Lyra's I know, so did I. adventures. So excited. Back with Lyra um, and Pan. I have and, to tell uh, my girlfriend. There's more mystery solving in this one. There's quite a oh, mystery I that's unfolding, it. and I'm excited to find out what is going on. Does, does I it, love it. Does it, does it pertain to what happened in the first book? Maybe. Like. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> so okay okay <laughs> we will find out when we read it yes um but i'm so glad to hear you're enjoying it i cannot wait to start reading it myself um and that was our episode for the week friends uh if you guys have any thoughts on knives out if you've seen it and hopefully loved it as we did come chat with us about that or if you are enjoying either his dark materials or more of philip pullman's books like the secret commonwealth or if you've been playing pokemon sword and shield come chat with us about all of that and where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. 